time to eat cookies and cider and, and hang out together. It's the best place to stand. I understand. Let me read the, the text today, and, and it, this is just like family, so if you want another glass of cider, go, go get one, we're okay. This is one of my favorite texts to ever preach on, we get to again today. In, in Matthew 1, 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This text, you could go 10,000 different ways, right? And today, probably today and tomorrow, people are. Uh, going a bunch of different ways. And yet there was something that has just sat in me all week that I'm going to invite us all to sit in uh, together. And, and it's real simple. I want you to imagine, imagine that you're there. Not when the angel's speaking, not when Joseph is considering the only honorable thing he can find to do in divorcing Mary. Not, not all of those things, but imagine you're there the day that this baby is born, that you're one of the, the guests that come in. Maybe we can't imagine seeing baby Jesus because it's Jesus, but you know what it's like when you see a little baby, right? You know how your eyes light up, how you stand more tender, how you just feel gentle and awe and excited. We speak soft, even people who are a burly and calloused seem to soften. I imagine that. I imagine what it, Mary looked like looking at Jesus. Or what Joseph looked like. Imagining what he almost did and then what happened and holding this little package of wonder. I imagine even like that, that innkeeper. You know, the, the one with the stable. I would love to know if the innkeeper was like really crabby when he gave the stable, like y'all are annoying me, go there, or if it was like a generous act. I don't know, maybe he looked on this young mother and was like, oh, I don't have a room, but like, I I don't know what the attitude was when they met, but I'm pretty sure when the innkeeper took a peek at that little baby, his face got more tender, his voice got softer. There was a gentleness that happened. That's, that's what most of us do around babies, and that's a good thing. We should. I imagine that there were some whispered words and plenty of smiles, some soft faces and hands 
warmth and tenderness. But the thing I was thinking about this week is with the tenderness that we look at babies, Jesus looked at the entire world around him with that same kind of tenderness. With tenderness, Jesus let the children come to himself. When others were like, oh, stop, stop the kids, there's important things happening, he, with real tenderness, he's like, no, come on, it's okay. It was with this tenderness that Jesus spoke to the woman who had reached out and, and touched his cloak. Her body was instantly healed, but also her place in society and her, her belonging with people was restored there. With tenderness, he listened to Mary and Martha's grief, even though it reads like he knew he was going to raise his friend from the dead. He, he grieved with them. He felt tenderness and softness with them. Even when he's on the cross, he looks to his, his mother and cares for his mother, provides for his mother in that spot as well. Jesus lived with a tenderness, and even in dying, this tenderness was present. So then I was thinking some about how Thomas, like Thomas needed to see something of this risen Jesus, right? Thomas needed to see the wounds to believe that, that Jesus was risen. And I think in me, I don't, I, I mean, I'm not there, but like right now, if I could see something, I, I don't think I'd need to put my hand where the wound is. Actually, I think that would kind of creep me out a little bit. I think I would love to see Jesus' eyes. I think I would like melt a little bit. I think I would start to cry, which is not shocking to those of you who know me. But I would probably cry. Because I think when Jesus looks upon people, it's with that tenderness. And we know that because we meet people who look at us that way, who see us. And there's something in those eyes. I think that's their eyes like Jesus. I would want to see his eyes. I do want to see his eyes. And I think part of me would feel more whole just knowing that I'm seen by him and seeing Jesus look at me. After his death and resurrection, this tenderness that Jesus was born into and lived in, even died in, this tenderness is now ours. This love that Jesus lived and died with is now the very thing that is forming within us. The anticipation, the love, the tenderness that we greet a child with is to be our disposition as we meet our neighbors. I don't know that we grasp that all the time. That like that softness that we see our, our niece or nephew or our neighbor, neighbor's child, our friend's child, that the softness that we feel there is the same softness that we get to have for the person who cuts us off in traffic. Or the person who's in the 10 items or less line with 13 items. This is the way that we get to live and greet our neighbor, and we're equipped to do this. It's not just this aspirational thing that we'll never achieve. We're told that we have this within us. 
So those of you who've been here for a while know that these past few years, I frequently lean on the name of God that's present in this story, this Emmanuel, God with us. I feel like theologically I'm one of those people who leaves a Christmas tree up all year round. You know those people who end up just having a Christmas room and they just leave that room decorated or that corner decorated? We were that accidentally one of the first years because we didn't know how to get rid of our Christmas tree so we kept it till, I think it was in our back deck till like August. And then I used it as a sermon illustration so the church had to throw it away. (laughs) It wasn't my best moment. But some people just leave that up and I think with the names of God and theologically, I, I leave that part of Christmas up. I need to. These last few years, really pandemic on, I've needed to constantly be reminded that God is with us, but also God is with me. God's with us, little form, just us on Brookline. Definitely God is with us as a church. Emmanuel was once a name that I would use on a Saturday after Thanksgiving until New Year's, but I'm aware that this is something that I need in the heat of August as much as I do in the dark of December. But in this name, I think it's really interesting that we don't say that Jesus is is Emmanuel, God who was with us. We say that God is with us. But where? In our language, I wonder if you use phrases like, we need to know that God showed up. Or I need to see God there. I I hope that God will be there. Sometimes we act like we're needing to conjure up God's presence or to say a spell correctly. So maybe if I pray right and I unlock this, this thing that only like the wisest people can, this certain puzzle, then God will be there. Then God will hear. But that's not really what the church at large has ever really believed. And I wonder if this year we might be able to see things a little different. I don't know that we use the word as much now, but saints way back when to even in the church I grew up in would use the fancy word omnipresence of God. They'd talk about God being everywhere at the same time. I even heard this just before I came up to to preach, that God is everywhere. But how does that factor into how I go live through today, how you go live through the day? Theology and scripture teach us that God is within us, that the Holy Spirit dwells within our body. God is more like oxygen than this difficult puzzle to solve or this rare and exotic animal that we have to go find and hope to encounter. And if God is everywhere then it's not really about us uh, making this moment, but it's about us noticing and acknowledging. Maybe it's not about will God show up, but it's about will I? Will we? Will we show up, not rushed, not, not feeling scarce, not feeling like we need to protect and we're in danger, but instead, can we be present and tender 
like Jesus was. Like there's first moments and breaths of Jesus. I'll forever be in awe of the fact that God chose to come in a body. And I'll forever be in awe that he, God came as a little one. Didn't come as like some muscled out somebody who already had power. But came as someone who didn't know how to use a bathroom yet. Like that's fascinating to me. The vulnerability, the tenderness, the, the uh, belief in humanity, the belief in Mary and Joseph that that required. But then now that God is everywhere, God is not just in a body like you or I are. Because when you're in this body, you're in one place. And God is everywhere. And so in that case, I find these words by Teresa of Avila very helpful. Way back when, she wrote, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands and yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes and yours are his body. It's a big charge that Teresa gives us, but that feels so hopeful, and that feels just right in me. As I said earlier, I know that I have looked in some people's eyes, and I have been seen, and I have been known, and I'm like, that feels like an encounter with God. And I'm not saying that that person is God, but I'm saying that God is in that person. And that's who we get to be. And so this Christmas, may we meet this often harsh world with the tenderness of Christ. May we recognize the presence of God in the midst of the absence of everything that we're aching for. May we be a people who hold both and not fear the dark nights, not fear the pain or loneliness or sadness, but know that we're not alone in them. May we experience Emmanuel, God with us, in the core of who we are and in the warmth of one another's smiles and in the beauty and minor key of this Christmas season. I was praying through this when I got the call from Rob that we were invited to go to broadband. And I don't know what we're walking into. And I don't know who we are. I don't know who's all going. And Broadband's a giant arena, and we're going with that speaker. And it's going to sound fascinating. I mean, Mike's going to bring everything out of that lone speaker as we can. But we're, if, if we were ever coming in like that little boy with a lunchbox to spiritually feed a crowd of 5,000, 10,000 50, whatever it is, we get to today. And I felt like this was part of God's little Christmas gift to me that we can go practice and some of us are gonna physically go and the rest of you are gonna go with us like in that weird way that we go together even when we're not in the same space. 
that we don't have great language for because it's more than prayer, it's more than in spirit. The phrases we say are like incomplete. But it is part of our little collective body that's going. And then part of our little collective bodies will go to family parties and meals and warm houses and all those kinds of things, cheering on the other part. And then we'll come back together whole and celebrate that we didn't put on this fantastic thing, but we got to be hands and feet to a people who are often not seen. We, hopefully, we can be eyes that see. To people who feel often that they aren't heard, we can be ears that are hearing. And we can believe that we get to be the body in the way that Scripture's described, and we can believe that God is already at broadband, already doing stuff. And so we can just go, like we've said before, and go add our amen. We can just go and say, yeah, that, that, I recognize that. That's the work of our God. I want to pray for us. Uh, we're going to have cookies and cider, and then some of us are going to madly pack up and, and go do whatever we're about to go do. I've never preached out of the book of Charles Dickens before, but that's what they asked me to do, so we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, God is with us, right? So let's, let, let's, let's pray here. God, I don't know exactly how you see us you don't look in like a crystal ball and you don't I don't know how it works I wonder but I, I don't know but I wonder what you felt when you looked at you as a baby and in the midst of this cold and this dark and the grief and the pain and the ache in this room and in the city and beyond. God, would you give us some capacity to be tender towards one another, towards our neighbors, towards ourselves, that resembles your tenderness? We will remind us that you're with us, not past tense, but today, tomorrow. Would you remind us that you're good? Would you have some eyes look upon us and see us and give us peace? Thanks. In your name, amen.